Hello, ladies. Welcome back to another episode of the Women in Western podcast. My name is Cheyenne, and I'm your host. And it has been a flippin' week, let me tell you. So if you follow along with our socials, you know that we were supposed to have Sarah Brown Armstrong on for her interview this week. Um, However, the technology was not on our side, and her entire end of the podcast did not record. And so, you know, we were just thinking maybe we can re-record really fast, get it out this week. But Sarah and I both have children. It's like impossible (laughs) to get schedules aligned that last minute. So we're going to do her interview at a separate time. That just means we'll make it better than it was the first time. Um, But in the time being, we have another interview set up for today. So you guys will be hearing that shortly. As always, I always start out with a highlight of the week. And my highlight of this week is pretty fun. So my husband and I both had third season in mule deer rifle tags here in the state of Colorado. For those of you that are um, unfamiliar with hunting, especially um, Colorado hunting, there's archery season earlier on in the fall. And this time of year, there are four rifle seasons that are kind of split up into like week or so long segments. And so we had originally wanted to hunt second season, but we had a lot of um, family weddings this year. So we put in for third season tags and we decided to try this one piece of public land that we have not hunted before. My husband actually hunted it second season a few years ago, um, but we had not hunted it third season. And let me tell you, it was so much fun, but it was insane. So we went just for the weekend, like, We left Friday night, Saturday morning at like midnight. Opening day was Saturday. And so we got there right at first light and started hunting. Um, When I tell you my husband is like a mountain man, he is like truly a mountain man. (laughs) So we stayed in our teepee. We have like a tent teepee with a wood stove. So we set that up and we have cots and the whole thing. We just brought a cooler of food and, you know, our hunting packs, clothes, wood stove, that kind of thing. And it was an experience. The place we were hunting was pretty crowded. There were quite a lot of hunters, um, especially, you know, being on public land and it's really cold up high right now. So up in the mountains, it's really, there's like a ton of snow. So deer and elk just aren't up there. So everyone kind of came down to lower ground. So the unit we, or the area we hunted was really crowded. Um, but that being said, we still were able to like look around. We saw a lot of nice bucks, but nothing on public land that was shootable. So while we did have a good time just spending together us two, we did not come home with any deer this year. (laughs) But it was an experience. I mean, it got down into like single digits at night and we did have that wood stove. So the first night my husband was up every hour putting wood in the wood stove to keep me warm. The second night he was so tired, he would like forget to wake up and I had to like wake him up and say, go put wood in there. I'm freezing. So it was an experience. It was insane. And I just love being out in the mountains with him. We have the best time. Um, it's definitely something that I did not grow up doing. Obviously I grew up like camping and stuff like that, but I didn't grow up like truly being a mountain woman like that. And it, you know, it's a lot of fun. I truly enjoy seeing my husband in his element and I can't wait for the rest of this hunting season to see what happens. I have a cow tag, um, during Thanksgiving for a cow elk, so we'll see what happens. But that was my highlight of the week was our hunting trip this last weekend. Josephine stayed home with her grandparents, so we definitely did not want to bring her out into the elements like that. (laughs) 
it was rough enough bringing a 22-week pregnant lady out there. So that being said, we're going to get right on into this week's episode. Um, I had the amazing opportunity to interview a friend of mine. Her name is Jaslyn Walters. And while she's not like this giant influencer on Instagram, she's a friend of mine that I recently started following on Instagram and have just learned more and more about her story. Um, we met on Instagram. I just like saw her on my For You page or something, followed her and just saw all these adventures she was going on with her baby girl. And I was like, oh my gosh, this girl seems awesome. Um, so I followed her and then we just kind of started talking from there. And then we kind of started to like talk more and more. And we finally got the girls together at the pumpkin patch this year. So that was really fun. Um, and I would just see some things that she shared and I was like, girl, you need to write a book or something. (laughs) Like you have so much cool life experience. You've been through so much. I'm sure you have so much advice to give on all of those topics. And so I asked her to be on the podcast and she agreed. Her story is amazing, guys. She has a story about not only battling cancer for herself, but also a family member and um, her whole story about her pregnancy with her daughter and her custody battle that she had to go through. It is absolutely insane. Um, It's just such a testament to God's will in your life and how his timing is always perfect, no matter how hard something may seem in the moment. So I cannot wait for you guys to hear this episode. With that being said, let's get right on into it. All right, everybody, we are here with Jaslyn Walter. She is a friend of mine that I just recently met, I think off of Instagram, right? Like, I just think I started following you and kind of realized that you were a fellow mom that lived in Northern Colorado. (laughs) And I was like, oh, like, I want to be friends with her. I think that's kind of how I met you. But Jaslyn, go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners. Yes, I believe that's how we met. Um, And then we just kind of started talking over Instagram and then we decided to meet up. (laughs) So... Uh, I, yeah, I live in Northern Colorado. I've been here for like nine years, which is crazy. Um, before that I was over in near Olathe, Colorado, uh, the Western slope and lived there for about like six years. Um, and then before that I lived in Wyoming, um, Star Valley, Wyoming, and it was beautiful over there. Um, and so, yeah, I've just kind of hopped around, lived different places and, now calling Northern Colorado home. I love it. Star Valley, Wyoming is probably one of my like dream places to live. I don't know if I could ever afford to live there, but it's absolutely beautiful there. It used to not be so expensive. It used to be a very small town and, you know, there was like 400 people in the town that I lived in. So it's definitely changed a lot. But um, if I ever had the chance, I would definitely move back there. Tis the story of everywhere these days, though. Used to be really nice and affordable. Not anymore. Um, Well, getting right into it, Jaslyn, you've lived so much life in your 27 years of life. And um, like starting to follow you on Instagram and just seeing like all of the things you've gone through, we'll just kind of go piece through piece. So for those of you guys um, that don't know, Jaslyn is a mom, she's a ranch wife, and she is a real estate agent. And she has just gone through so many crazy things. And I told her before we did this interview, like you can write a book and you should write a book because the stuff you've done is insane. But I want to start out asking you about your diagnosis of cancer when you were in your childhood. So tell us about that story. That that sounds absolutely traumatizing and crazy, but I can't wait to hear about that. Yeah. Uh, I was 12 um, when I got diagnosed and I was over in Montrose area. Um, I, it was, uh, called synovial cell sarcoma. Um, 
and it's a really rare soft tissue cancer. And when I was about seven, I was climbing on my dad's backhoe, and I slipped and fell and hit my hip on the the step. Um, and I believe the doctors believe that from the impact it bursted uh, some cancer cells and the tumor just grew. Um, so I, you know, th- from being seven to twelve, I would wrestle with my sisters and my dad and. Um, whenever they would hit it, it, I would just like, you know, just be on my knees in pain. Um, and they, you know, being the youngest, they were always like, oh, you're just a baby, you know, get over it. And, um, when I was 12, we actually went swimming and my sister saw, you know, a protrusion from my hip and she's like, oh my gosh, what is that? And I was like, that's what I've been complaining about. Like, it's not, I'm not just doing this because I'm a baby. (laughs) Um, It actually hurts. (laughs) And so my mom uh, made an appointment and took me into the hospital. um, And we got a scan and everything. And I was actually misdiagnosed several times with the, they called it a cyst with calcifications. um, And, you know, not to worry about it. And, uh. So after a while, I just told my mom, I was like, okay, can we just have surgery and just remove it? Like, I just want, you know, I don't want the pain anymore. Um, So we made an appointment. I had surgery. And the during my surgery, the doctor actually called my parents back into the room. Um, and there she was like, uh, you guys need to like, look at this. And so she had my tumor. It was a softball-sized tumor, and she had it in, like, a little jar. And she's like, I have never seen anything like this before. Um, It looks like a pediatric heart. And she said it wasn't, like, it didn't have any, you know, attachments. It wasn't growing, you know, throughout my body. But it was just, she literally just scooped it out of me. Um, And so after that, she had no idea what it was. Um, So... She sent it to the Mayo Clinic, and about a week a week later, we got a call to get our butts over to Denver, and I need to start treatment right away, um, and I think it was, like, in a stage four, um, and... Oh, my gosh. Did they think that you had cancer that whole time from when you were seven to 12? Like, did they think that it was actually a cancer mass know. then? Honestly, I don't know. I mean, they can't really tell, Um it could have been a cyst and then, you know, formed into cancer, or it could have just been, you know, cancer cells that just started growing. Wow. Um, but yeah, so I literally that week packed up my bags and went over to Denver. We lived at the Ronald McDonald house there for, gosh, about six months. Um, I did chemo. I started chemo um, and I did radiation over there. And uh, it was just tough like it was it was hard I I just remember like being so sick um when I started chemo I just was out of it like I would just literally basically like I was conscious but like not you know I couldn't talk I couldn't eat by myself um you know I was puking um like violently Um, and just the whole thing was really hard. And my dad even asked like our doctor, like, why isn't any other kid in here this sick? Like she, and my doctor's like, um, because she's getting a very, very intense chemotherapy. 
Um, so going through that at 12 years old was very difficult. Um, you know, you see other kids your age and, you know, doing normal kid things and, you know, and you're just stuck in a hospital and, you know, you lost all your hair and especially, you know, you're starting to go into puberty and like, you know, and your hair is gone. And so like just mentally, it's really hard. Um, but fast forward, um, I did six months of chemo, six months of radiation and, uh, at the very like second to last chemo, um, my doctor kind of did a, a EKG on my heart and she kind of panicked a little bit. Um, I think my heart was going into heart failure and she was like, okay, we need to stop the treatments like right now. And, um, I remember laying on the bed and just kind of being out of it, but still there. It was like a out of body experience. Um, and it's kind of, it's, it is hard to explain because if you've never had that before, you just, you don't know until you go through it. Um, but I just remember, you know, the doctor was in the room. My parents were in the room. They were standing over me and like my doctor basically told them that you need to prepare for the worst. Um, and I just remember like thinking to myself, like I was out of it, but I just remember thinking to myself, like, it's okay. Like I'm, I'll be okay. Like I can die and it's, it's fine. Like there was such a peace in that moment. And I think I've heard, I mean, I've heard a lot of people be in those types of situations and just say the same thing where there's like a peace that comes over you that you're totally okay with dying. Um, and that's what I kind of just like wanted to tell my parents, like, don't worry, I'll be fine. And, um, so, um, and I just like in that moment, you kind of just feel a presence of God over you, um, which is just kind of like surreal, but, and it's very real in that moment, you know? Um, so thankfully I got out of that. I came back to, and, um, went home, um, and about two weeks later, um, I went into the hospital to get uh, my blood drawn. Um, they have to, you know, check your blood count um, and see how well you're doing. Uh, and I went in and they draw blood and I had to stay there until they get the results back. And they come, come back in the room with a wheelchair and they're like, you have an airplane waiting for you on the um, runway, you're getting life flighted to Denver. And I was like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> I just came in here to get my blood drawn. Um, so my blood count, my white blood cells were completely gone. Like I did not have any. And so they needed to do a blood transfusion like immediately. Um, and the hospital, it was in actually Delta. They just didn't have the equipment for it. Um, and so they literally wheeled me out and my mom, we didn't have anything. I mean, we just literally went to the hospital for a blood drop. And right. So you're not going to like pack for a trip to Denver <laughs> going to your little appointment. Yeah. So my mom rushed home, um, packed a bag and rushed back to the hospital. I was literally in the plane. We were waiting for her um, and she was running across <laughs> the, the uh, pavement to get to me. Um, and I mean they told me like, we're going to, we're going to have to leave without her if she doesn't get here within like 10 to 15 minutes. Um, 
So thankfully she got there, she got loaded, and we flew to Denver. Um, and during that, my dad actually took off fishing t uh, in Texas. And so he just literally drove like 20 something hours. And my mom calls them. And I mean, they didn't even get to their destination yet. And my mom calls them and says that I'm being life lighted. And so he literally turns the truck around and starts driving back. And uh, I think he drove all night. And um, got there and I had blood transfusions I had you know platelets transfusions and all of the above um so I think my body was just depleted you know it's just went through a tornado um and so just trying to recover from that um but then after that it you know we went home and I just started my recovery of getting and healing from that so it was a wow. lot. But <laughs> that is absolutely insane. Like, and the biggest thing I can think of too is like, you're 12 years old doing this. And yeah. like, I'm thinking about what I was doing at 12 years old, like seventh or eighth grade. Biggest concern is like, my makeup doesn't match my neck and I am putting like four layered camis on my skinny jeans. Like I can't <laughs> even imagine having to deal with that at that age where people don't even have to think about that. Yeah. Right. And I don't think any, I mean, I don't think any person is prepared to deal with that at any age, you know? Right. Um, I think it's a lot harder on a young person. Um, and I just remember like being that young and just praying God would somehow, you know, save me, um, and use my story to help others. And I mean, even just thinking about that at 12 years old is, you grow up a lot faster. That's than... so profound. Yeah, exactly. For you to have that thought at that mm -hmm. age. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just, it was just a, a very long, hard time in my life. Yeah. And I, I remember the reason I found out that you had cancer as a child, cause me and you, like we've hung out, we've taken the girls, um, both of our daughters, like the pumpkin patch together. And I found out that you had cancer cause you had posted on your story, um, a scripture that your dad would read to you while you're going through chemo. And that's why I had to be like, what? Like you went through cancer <laughs> as a kid? Like what the heck? But just yeah. hearing about like how your faith got you through so much and how God was with you through that whole thing. That's amazing. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, when you, I mean, I grew up in a Christian home, um, and, you know, you know God, but until you are faced with something like that, um, you really don't, you really have, it puts your faith to the test, um, and the, the, my dad would actually, uh, sit by my bedside and read me just Bible verses, and, it would bring, like, it would, it really would just bring me peace, um, whenever I was doing treatments, but the one that really just, like, hit, hit home and continues to hit home is, uh, Isaiah 40, 31, um, that those who hope in the Lord will re renew their strength, they will soar, they will soar on wings like eagles, they will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not faint, um, and just having that hope that God will, you know, bring you through something like that and that you can rely on him. Um, and it's not your own strength that's going to get you through something like that. Um, wow. um, and just, you know, totally just 
opening your hands and giving it to God right, uh, is something that was a big lesson for me at, you know, 12 years old. <laughs> exactly. Wow. And like going, you know, into the rest of your story, it's like we haven't even scratched the surface of stuff that you've gone through and the stuff that you have to talk about. Um, but one thing still on this topic really quick that I thought about, um, we interviewed this uh, woman named Kate who she had gone through um, cancer when she was in her early 20s. And she talked a lot on the podcast here. Um, I think it was a couple months ago we had her on about fertility and chemo and kind of like um, onco fertility and how um, – chemo, you know, we don't really know how that affects fertility and so, and you know, when, especially young girls that are going through puberty and you, but we found out later on in your life that it probably didn't affect your fertility too much because now you have your daughter. No. And actually what's crazy is that I did get, um, my eggs suppressed. And so basically messed up all my hormones. Um, and they did tell me that, you know, there's a high chance of me not being able to have kids. Um, and so, you know, at 12, I was like, eh, whatever. I don't want kids anyways. <laughs> so, right. And so going into your twenties, you probably weren't too concerned about getting like pregnant I, accidentally. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, I just had that in my mind that I either can't have kids or it's going to be extremely hard to have kids. Um, and that is not the case. So. Right. Well, yeah, moving right into, you know, something else that I really want you to talk about is, you know, in your 20s, you got pregnant with your daughter, Hadley, who is the cutest little flipping girl ever. Her and Josephine had the best time when we took them to the pumpkin patch together. But um, you've been really open on your Instagram about your custody battle um, with her father. So tell us about like kind of that journey of like getting pregnant, you know, you thinking that it's going to be really hard for you to get pregnant in your lifetime, getting pregnant with her and just how it's been being pregnant with her and trying to gain custody of her. Yeah. So I think the, the going into that, like going through cancer, um, I relied on God a lot and I, I, you know, created that relationship with God. Um, and then throughout my teenage years, I think I rebelled a little bit, um, as most teenagers do. Um, and when I was about 19, um, I moved over into Northern Colorado when I was about 17. Um, and when I was about 19, I met a guy over here in Northern Colorado, um, and did not want anything to do with him. And when he kept, you know, pursuing me and I was actually, uh, working in Wyoming with my dad at the time, building a house, um, he had his dad's plane come pick me up there to fly uh, me to, you know, come see him over the weekend. So I was young and stupid uh, and gave him a chance. That was my first mistake. Um, and also, but no, I am truly thankful for what happened. Um, I wouldn't trade Hadley for the world. Um, and I wouldn't trade what it has taught me, um, you know, it grew me into the person that I am now. And I'm forever thankful for going through that. Um, and I know people, a lot of people, especially, you know, women going through that old grudges and bitterness and, you know, blaming people. Um, but I've just gotten to a point where I don't, I don't want to do that. You know, it's not good for me. It's not good for Hadley. It's not, Yes, that's just something that I don't want 
to do or live by. And what a cool place for that to be. And like you said, there's so many women out there that have gone through so much, like battling for custody with their kids and going through all of this, you know, traumatic things. And for you to be in that place of just not holding a grudge to anyone and not being upset with anyone, that's a really good place to be with like yeah. zero bitterness. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. It has taken me a very long time <laughs> to get to that point because I was not always at that point. Um, but Diving into that, um, I, after we uh, were seeing each other for a little bit, I actually moved to Nebraska with him um, and lived on a ranch out there that was beautiful. Um, that part, I don't regret. Um, it was beautiful, and Nebraska is actually not a bad place. So um, our relationship lasted about two years, I think. Um, and if you knew how I grew up, you would know that living together before you were married was a giant no-no. Um, so my dad was pretty strict and was not relaxed on especially that. Um, but being in my rebellious stage, I just didn't care, I think. Um, and just kind of wanted to do what I wanted to do. Um, and throughout me living with him, uh, my parents still loved me and still always you know, would offer for me to come home and always offered, the door was always open. Um, and um, even though, like, even though my dad did not like him from day one, you know, he saw right through him. And my first lesson was to always listen to your parents because they know best. <laughs> and right. they have things that you don't see. Um, and especially when you're that young, you're just blind. And you I think all of us at that age in our, you know, late teens, early twenties, we all know, like we all think that we know better than them. And there's, you know, instances in my life where I'm like, wow, my parents were really right about that. <laughs> so I think that's a great, great lesson. <laughs> yeah. So, um, anyways, uh, our relationship was good in the beginning. Um, I think about a year, um, was truly like a year into it, there was really nothing wrong. Um, and about six months into it, I started to see things um, that were not good. Um, and just, you know, drugs and alcohol and abuse. And, and after that year, after about six months to a year, he started to actually kind of show who he was truly, you know, is um and i did not know you know come to find out that he did have a, an extensive background as a drug abuser and um you know alcohol and the whole nine yards and i think at that point i was young and thought that i could maybe help him um you know when you love someone that you want to help them or, you know, think the best that, you know, they can get over it and, and whatnot. But, um, the, the thing is, is that you cannot change someone. Um, and you know, if you are with someone that does that or does things that you don't like other than, you know, leaving their clothes on the floor because my husband does that now. But, um, <laughs> right. Of the benign things that, aren't hurting your family, but they're hurting your mental health. I'll tell you what, my husband will put a piece of laundry right next to the laundry basket. I'm like, it, are you kidding me? Uh, yeah. Don't get me started. 
Um, but, uh, but with that is that you cannot change someone. Um, their mom can't change them. No one in their life can change them. The only person that can change someone's heart is Jesus. And that is 100% the fact. And no matter how hard you try or how much you love someone, um, they just, they won't change for you. Um, and so that is something that I had to realize. Um, right. And as Christians, like we can introduce people to Jesus and talk to people about Jesus, but they have free will. If they don't want to have that relationship and they don't want to change, it's not going to happen. And we can't force that upon anyone. No, no, not at all. But yeah, his, I mean, his family even really liked me and would always make comments on, you know, they're so glad that they found or that he found a girl that was normal and um, a Christian and, you know, trying to get him back to Jesus. Um, And, you know, I think that kind of also didn't help me with letting, you know, letting things fizzle out or go um, because that just kind of fueled the fire of, oh, maybe I can help him. Um, And I think that um, with the, you know, being in a relationship where there are drugs and there is like alcohol abuse and actual abuse, um, when you're in that situation, you don't ever think that you will be in that situation. Um, And, you know, you see other people in it and you just think like, how could, you know, how could you be so blind? Um, And then when you're actually in that place, you know, you just don't know what you're going to think or do. Um, So, right. You always think it's going to be someone else and it's always someone else's thing. So was, you said, obviously you didn't know he was a drug user and, you know, alcoholic when you had met him and had alcohol abuse and what that, but when did that kind of come up in your guys' relationship? Was it right away or was it kind of way later on? No, it was later on. It was like like six months to a year into it. Um, and I started seeing more of it. I think he was just more open about it. <clears throat> um, and then I just like started making excuses like, oh, he's going through a hard time or, you know, like trying to convince myself that this isn't who he is because I did – Uh, like who he was before that and so I didn't want to come to the conclusion that oh this is actually who he is um so I my family actually uh warned me and you know it got to a point where they wouldn't come visit me anymore um and just basically told me the truth and sometimes the truth hurts and I was bitter towards them for a little bit and it's it doesn't make it um easier when you do have someone in your ear saying that, you know, your family's the problem and, you know, uh, just kind of more of a narcissistic, um, little buzz in your ear. And, um, so, um, and actually one of the, when, when, once it got to a point where someone other than my family, like stepped in and said something, then my eyes kind of started to open more. Um, and it was actually one of the ranch hands there. And he just told me like, you deserve so much better than this. And this is not normal. Um, so I kind of, my eyes kind of just opened and I was like, oh, well, maybe my family is right. (laughs) And so I remember one night, um, it just got really bad 
And so the next day I just made up my mind and I texted my mom and was like, do you have, you know, would you guys mind if I put my horse um, in the pasture? And she was like, like, you know, yeah, she, you know, she can stay there. And she's like, why? And I was like, would it be okay if I moved back? And I didn't, I found out later, uh, my, when I texted to my mom that she, they both, both of my parents, uh, just dropped to their knees and just was in tears, um, because I was coming home. And, uh, wow. that so, makes me tear up hearing you say that. Yeah. So, I mean, they have been praying for almost two years that I would get out of this situation. And so, um, I texted my mom said that I am coming home and my brother the next day came and got me with a horse trailer and, uh, I moved back home. And so, uh, what a testament to like the kind of parents your parents are though, because I think there's a lot of parents out there that are, um, you know, quote unquote strict and, you know, they raise kids in a religious setting and they kind of like disown kids when they kind of like have to go on their own path. But it's kind of like the prodigal son, you know, like a story in the Bible and you have amazing parents that they're just, you know, welcoming back whenever you're ready to come back kind of thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, throughout the entire thing, they, they were always with open arms. I mean, they told me the truth and they weren't afraid to hurt my feelings, but also like, yeah, I, you know, I think I've had a lot of parents um, that I know personally that have kids that are going off the deep end or have gone off the deep end. And they're just like, I don't know what to do. Um, and I always tell them what my parents did, you know, like it hurt. Like it hurt for me to have the people that I love the most say that you are messing up your life. Like you are so dumb, (laughs) but having those, you know, the ones that you love look out for you and your best interest, like you, you just have to know, and you have to set your pride aside to know that they are truly looking out for your best interest. Um, And they see things that you don't. And, you know, in those situations you get blinded and being young and stupid, you know, they've gone through stuff like that. And you have to realize that, um, you know, they're not trying to ruin your life. Right. And why are we like that as human beings where like our loved ones tell us all of this stuff and people that are so close to us that we trust tell us things and we don't want to listen. And then someone like a ranch hand that worked at that ranch had to tell you it the exact same things your family was telling you for you to be like, oh yeah, light bulb. Like, well, I don't, we're all like that. And it blows my mind. I know. I don't understand it. But I mean, I guess that's just how it is. But uh, so I left. I literally didn't even have a car. I had like not even $500 in my bank account. Um, But I just knew that I needed to get away. Like I need to leave before it gets worse and something worse happens. Um, And so I actually, that same ranch hand actually let me take his car um, with me. And I borrowed it for about like three months. And I came home. I had no idea what I was going to do. And my dad was actually, he owned a trucking company. And so, um, and he was looking to hire someone. And I was like, well, what if I got my CDL um, and drove for you? And uh, so I literally have never driven a stick before this. And I don't know how, but I have never driven a stick before this. Or if I have, it was very minimal, you know, like in the driveway. 
Um, and so I had to learn how to drive a semi and I went and passed all my tests to get my CDL. And within probably three weeks of coming home, I was driving for him. Um, wow. That is insane. (laughs) I was, I had to help my husband get his CDL and I couldn't do it, girl. Like props (laughs) to you. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. I, but I mean like going from never even like, you know, driving a semi for one, and right. then even driving a stick shift, like, and then you combine all those together. Because a was, semi has like 18 gears, doesn't it? And like goes back and forth from like one to, I don't even know. I don't even know. So I drove a 18 speed and a 15 speed. And so, uh, but yeah, I did that for three years. Um, and I'm very thankful for that job because it, like it did pay well and it got me through a lot of stuff. So um, but yeah, I started working for my dad. Life was great. And I was just like, came out of a horrible relationship and, you know, was going out with my friends and, um, just living life. Um, and I was And like, at this point, were you scared at all of your ex like coming after you or were you just kind of like, he's no, fine? I was just kind of done. Like, okay, good. I was just, my I was actually still friends with his sister um, and sister-in-law at that point. And they, um, like not, I mean, we talked every once in a while. Um, but uh, no, I wasn't, I mean, I was just done. I was. That's good. Yeah, I was just like, I just want to start my life. <laughs> and um, Good for you. Yeah, just walk away. And um, so living my best life. And then a few, I think like four or five months later, um, I felt just like super bloated and just gross. And I like literally went to my mom and was like, mom, do you have any like uh, detox tea or like anti-bloat anything? I was like, I just feel just like gross and like heavy. And um, she was like giving me all this like detox tea and anti-bloat medicine. <laughs> and this happened, this like went on for like about a week or so. And then I started to feel like flutters in my stomach. And I was like, that is just not right. Like that is not normal. And oh, so no. I, um, I, took- and not to get too personal, but like, were you having cycles or like, had that always just been off? that that's the thing is that I was on birth control and I was on pills. And so I just skipped the sugar pills when you're supposed to be on your cycle. And so I just never had a cycle. There you go. Um, And so that was just normal. Like I just never had one. So um, that didn't even like cross my mind because I've been doing it for, you know, three years. I was on pills for like three years. Um, So I was, I remember I was, went into my bathroom at my parents' house and I took a test and I was just like sitting there like, like this, like, there's just no way, like, no. And, um, literally not even the amount of time that it takes for it to come back. It was like immediate. And, uh, it was big. It was like, you are very pregnant. (laughs) Yes. Like this isn't little pregnant. Like this is very (laughs) pregnant. So, uh, I, when I read that, I just literally like 
stepped back against the wall and just like crumbled into a ball in my bathroom and just like was bawling. Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't be loud. My parents were sleeping and I was just like, what? Like, what? No, this isn't real. Um, so I made an appointment, um, the next day to go to Planned Parenthood. I, they have free ultrasounds there. So I was like, I need to like find out how far along I am. I just don't know. And at that time I had it in my mind. And if you know me, you know, this is like, absolutely not my character or like not who I am at all but I was convinced that I needed to get an abortion and I was like I cannot do this um and uh like I never in my wildest dreams would have ever thought that I those thoughts would come into my head um and but once again if you're in that situation you know I truly don't like I have no I don't blame girls in that situation. Like if you're in that situation, you don't know what to do. I couldn't even imagine because I am happily married and both times that I've taken positive pregnancy tests, you know, being pregnant, there still is that flutter in my mind of, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And it's like, oh, okay. Like, no, this is happening. You know, you get excited. But I think no matter what, as a woman, there's like this crazy, oh my gosh, this is life changing. This piano stick, it like shocks you. Yeah. And to be in that kind of situation that you're in, I couldn't even imagine. Yeah. It's just like, it's basically like a fight or flight situation, you know? Um, and so I just like, I was like, well, I have to get an abortion. Like I never thought that I would be in this situation. Um, and so I made an appointment to Planned Parenthood. I just to get an ultrasound, just to see how far along I was. Um, and I went in there and gosh, I just felt like just walking in the doors. I just felt like garbage. Like I just felt like this is like, how could this happen to me? Um, and so I went in there, got an ultrasound, the lady, the tech lady that was doing it. She was like all chatty to begin with. And then when she actually started doing the ultrasound, she just like her body language changed. Now, when you went in for this ultrasound, did they ask you any questions before of like, how long, far along do you think you are? You know, what, what do you want to do? Did they kind of ask you if you were thinking of aborting or? Yep. Yeah. They kind of, I, at the time I, um, they kind of asked like the background, uh, how far along you think I was. I was like, I have no idea. (laughs) I don't know. I didn't even know anything up until literally two days ago. Yeah. Um, And and then they kind of asked, like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I literally don't know. I just need to find out how far along I am. Um, and so she was doing the ultrasound, and she got, like, super quiet. And I was like, well, crap. <laughs> and uh, I was like, how, like, what's going on? And she um, doesn't even, like, make eye contact with me. She's like, well you are more than halfway through and I like literally like jumped out off of the table. I was like, what? No, that is not true. Like no way in hell is that true. And, um, she's like, yeah, you're about six months along. And literally I have pictures to prove that I do not look six months along. I have picked my sister and, um, me were pregnant at the same time. 
she knew, um, but there, our kids are 28 days apart and we have a picture together in our bikinis and she has like a full bump and I still have like a four pack. Like it's just like, it was not something. Oh that, my gosh. Um, and wow. so I just broke down crying in the room and th- she was the lady was so nice she and at this point you're by yourself right you haven't told a soul other than this ultrasound tech yeah no one knew like I was carrying all this on myself um alone and the, the she was so nice she just like hugged me for like five minutes and I was just like bawling um and she's just like you know you're gonna be okay like things happen and you know there's like whatever you choose, you're going to choose right. Um, and so I will say that, I mean, I'm sure not everyone's the same, but like she was not pushy at all. I mean, she was just there for my support and I really appreciate that about her. Um, and so, so at this point, were you thinking immediately in your head, like, Oh, I know who the dad is. Like that's, you know, it's him. You knew in that instant. Yeah, so I that just made it worse. And so I went out to my car and just like literally melted into a puddle. I was just I couldn't even like talk. I was just bawling. Um and I had absolutely no idea what to do. Um so I went to work the next day. Still didn't tell anyone. Um and my phone had broke that day and just things just kept piling up, piling up and when I went home, um, my sister was going through college, uh, nursing school at the time, and she was living with me and my parents, and she was in the kitchen, and I was like, can I borrow your phone? Like, my phone's broke, and I just, like, had that probably a stressed demeanor about myself, <laughs> and she's like, yeah, what's wrong? And I was now, like- Now, is this the same sister that was pregnant? No, this is my, this is the one closest to me. Okay, perfect. Um, and so I just like snapped back at her and she's like, what, like what is happening? And then I just like broke down in tears and said that I'm pregnant. And this is all in my kitchen. Um, like I'm pregnant and uh, it's with him. And she literally like jumped out of her skin and was like, what? Oh my gosh. Um, and so little did we know that my dad was actually in his room and heard the entire thing uh and he pokes his head out and was like you're pregnant and I was like uh me and my sister just both look at each other like oh crap (laughs) and so I was definitely not ready to tell them um and thankfully he came over and walked to me and just said that you know it's gonna be okay he gave me a big hug it's going to be okay. Uh... Your parents need to write a freaking parenting book or like teach parenting classes because that is amazing. Like for him to say in that moment, like kids are a blessing, babies are a blessing. This is going to be okay. Like that, that's how to parent. Like that is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I was not expecting that at all. Like I, I don't, I don't really know what I was expecting. I was just scared. Like, in all aspects of it. I didn't want, I didn't want to admit that I got pregnant outside of marriage because that's not what I was taught my entire life. Um, and just, I think just like, um, 
having to admit that to the person that has taught you better was very difficult for me. Um, but it actually couldn't have happened any better because it was kind of just like it happened and then he responded and it was just like, well, here we are. <laughs> yeah, like it was just ripping the Band-Aid off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, then my so my sister was the first one that found out in my family and then my dad and then my mom came home. We were all sitting in the kitchen. Um, then my mom came home and I was, you know, had been crying and she's like, what's wrong? And my, I couldn't even say it. And my dad was like, she's pregnant. Um, and my mom's like, what? She's like, you are keeping that baby. And I was like, well, obviously. <laughs> There's really, really nothing I can do right now. I love it. That's so sweet of her. Um, and then my other sister came in the house. And, you know, she has a big old belly. And she uh, came in and... I, we got to talking and then I had to tell her and she like looked at me. She's like, what? No, you're not. Like, there is no <laughs> way. <laughs> like, are you lying to me? Um, so she's like, why do I look like a whale then? <laughs> and you look she's like, like, I'm walking around with a bowling ball strapped to my stomach and you look like that. <laughs> yeah. So I think there's a little bit of jealousy. But <laughs> I love it. That's so funny. So, I mean, yeah, it was just a whole whole ordeal of telling people and just wrapping my mind around but an amazing family support system of like you know your sister's kid gets to have a cousin your family's excited about this baby that's just like a true testament to like you know family coming together and being there for you yeah oh yeah it was yeah I couldn't have asked for a better support system um and they were truly there for literally everything I mean whenever my mom literally basically raised Hadley for, you know, two and a half years of her life because I had to work full time. Um, and you know, my dad literally just adores Hadley still. I mean, they don't like to play favorites, but it's definitely obvious that who's the favorite. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Uh, uh, they just, I mean, they're Hadley's basically their own, you know, and yeah, they had a big hand in helping raise her, so. Yeah, so it's definitely, a diff- I think, a different type of relationship they have right. with her. Well, moving into, you know, like, so now you have to deal with a custody battle because, you know, you have to deal with this ex that you had. So kind of tell us about that and yeah, kind so of what uh, that mountain was like to climb. Yeah, so um, I tr- did my best and I tried to get along. Um, in the beginning, um, I even invited them over for my baby shower. Uh, you know, I, I think that my dad actually was a big part of, um, my emotional, uh, stability, I think the right word would be, um, just to not get overwhelmed with emotions of bitterness towards them. And, you know, God commands us to love our enemies. Um, and so my dad was, he, honestly, he was annoying about it because he was always in my ear just saying like, you need to love your enemies. Like, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to. <laughs> um, so he really just helped me with that. Um, and would always just, you know, uh, come back to what God says and, um, 
So I did. I tried to be nice and I tried to get along. Um, and I did. I think I did my part in that. And I don't have any regret for what I did um, in the beginning. And so, um, but it got to a point where, you know, I thought that maybe he had changed and maybe this would have, you know, grown him up or like, you know, we could get over the past and we could just, you know, move forward. Um, unfortunately, that was not the case. And he just went back to his old self. And I got to a point where I just told myself, you know what, I'm not dealing with this. I don't have to deal with it. And I'm not going to. And I, especially with a child in the picture, um, <clears throat> I'm not going to put her in a position where she could get hurt or, you know, either physically or mentally. I just, when you become a mom, a mama bear comes out and you just say no. And um, sometimes people don't like the word no. And I think that's when the fight started. Um, and so um, lots of litigation, lots of just begging God to take that burden from me um, and or at least just carry me through it. You know, you just don't want to. Mostly, I just didn't want my daughter to be in the middle of it. Um, I just wanted to get her out of there and out of the court system as fast as I could. Um, so was she spending time with him, you know, or was he making an effort to spend time with her and you're kind of still trying to, you know, battle for custody and how's that looking like? Yeah, they, or he had, um, we had temporary orders and he had, he has seen her like 36 hours of her entire life, um. And that was all uh, monitored with someone there um, in a facility. And so um, just for her safety. And after a while, he just gave up. I mean, he just didn't see her anymore. He didn't ask about her. Um, And so I think it became more of his parents that wanted to see her. Um, And so you know, lots of stories, lots of drama in the three years of litigation. Um, but I just got to a point where I, like, I got so emotionally drained that I just literally got on my hands and knees one night beside my bed with Hadley sleeping in there. And I just said, I give up. Like, I, uh, I cannot do this anymore. I can't do it emotionally. I can't do it financially. Um, like you have to take it, God, like I can't do it anymore. Um, and so I think once I gave up that control of like wanting to, um, have things go my way, um, that's when literally everything changed. Um, and you know, change, it changed my attitude towards the whole thing. It changed how it was going in court and it changed I mean just the how it went um and that is just when um like miracles started happening like it was literally miracle after miracle and it you know throughout the years uh things had to happen the way that they did and I didn't understand it at the time I was angry at God I was like how could he have let this happen um 
And it, it's crazy because literally it all had to happen for the outcome that we had. Um, and I think that's a big lesson to learn is that it's not in your timing. It is in God's timing. Um, and things happen. It could look gruesome at the time and it could look not what you want it to be. Um, but ultimately that's how God wants it to be. And you have to be okay with that. Um, and so just seeing that built my faith, like seeing a miracle happen. I was like, Oh, like God is really here. Like he is present in this. Um, and then, you know, it grew my faith. It grew, you know, my parents' faith. And so I think that it just, everything happens for a reason. And even if you cannot see it at the time, um, you just have to truly have faith that, uh, you know, God will work it out how he wants it to work out, not how you want it to work out. Um, and right. And that- what a testament for people that are like in the middle of it right now, like someone who's in the trenches right now and is not on the other side yet of just like, that's what you need to do is just surrender and give it to God. Cause that's the second time in your life that you had to basically come to terms with, I can't do this on my own. I need you. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. And I think, uh, when you're in the midst of it, you know, I was angry at God at that time. I, I wrestled with God to no end. Um, and I was angry. I was bitter. I didn't understand why God would allow, you know, me or my child to go through that. Um, and it was truly like a David and Goliath story. Um, you know, I was this 22 year old that has nothing to her name, a single mom living with her parents. I mean, I literally had everything in the world against me. I literally had people tell me that you're not going to win this battle. Um, and I was like, well, you don't know who my God is apparently because I don't know if I will win it, but I'm going to come out with a story that will help other people. And that is a win in my book. So, um, and that's really, I mean, I do want to, I don't want to keep things that I have learned and things that I've been through in a closet because I don't think that's why God allows us to go through trials in our life. Um, you know, I want to be able to help people, um, you know, going through the trenches to see that there is hope and there is light at the end of the tunnel, no matter how far away you are. Um, you know, you just have to keep going and keep pressing forward. Um, because eventually you will get to the end. Um, Right. And here you are now, three years later, and you have won full custody of Hadley, correct? I think you recently shared that. Yep. Yeah, I have full custody of her, um, and she's just a little spitfire. (laughs) She's, she keeps me on my toes every day. Um, I love it. Becoming such a little grown up and just, it's, it's fun to see them just grow and become their own little person. Exactly. Well, and I really want to get into kind of like ranch mom life and kind of like how that is for you, but kind of like something that happened in the midst of that on top of after you're a kid battling cancer and then you have to go through this whole entire thing of an unplanned pregnancy with, you know, battling for custody with someone that, you know, is just not, does not need to be in your daughter's life. Then you 
face another cancer diagnosis in your family. And so you have shared a lot about your mom's diagnosis with cancer. When did that happen kind of in the storyline of all this and how did you guys overcome that? Yeah. So, um, I was actually, we were still doing our custody stuff. Um, and it was getting close to the end, uh, to final orders. And, um, you know, that's when you're seeing a light at the end of the tunnel and you're like, we're going to make it through this and, you know, things will get better. Um, and then my mom goes in for a mammogram and it comes back that she has breast cancer. Um, and so, you know, that was just a blow. Like, you know, you're, you're almost done with one trial and then another one starts and you're just like, what the heck? Um, and so during that time we were just, you know, just, it was just really a blow. Like I was just, what the heck, you know, like, why does this have to happen? Um, and I think I was just so numb with pain at that time. I, like, I don't even remember, like, crying. Like, I was just, like, so numb at that point. Um, and so I just had, I did have a peace that God was going to get her through that. Um, and it's kind of just, you just don't really know how to explain it until you, like, feel that peace. Like, you just know that she's going to make it through it. You just have to get through it. Um, and so... She actually was getting a treatment plan going. Um, she had to do six months of chemo and radiation, just like me. Um, and we were really just praying that, you know, from me having to go through cancer and seeing what that was like, uh, seeing how sick you got. I mean, I was, I, w- I was out for like, you know, a year. Um, and so we were just expecting that for her. Um, and so we were all just praying that God would have mercy, um, to let her not get so sick and, you know, to just heal her. Um, and so she, um, started treatment in Fort Collins and, uh, started doing chemo. She lost all of her hair. Um, but thankfully God truly answered our prayers. She didn't get as sick as I did. Um, I mean, I honestly don't even think she threw up once and that's just like incredible. Um, and so throughout that entire thing, uh, her whole treatment, she babysat Hadley full time. Um, and she is truly my hero because she does it with such grace and like doesn't complain. And she's just there and she's just so happy to be there. (laughs) And so I, I have so much respect for my mom. Um, just handling everything that she went through in one time with grace and just trusting that God's going to get her through. And, um, so she started treatments, um, and about two weeks later, um, from her diagnosis, I actually got in a big semi accident. Um, I got hit by a semi, um, going to work one morning. And so, on Just a casual, of- like, yeah. near-fatal car accident to add into the mix. Yes, exactly. Um, so on top of going through custody, my mom gets cancer, and I also die, almost die in a semi-accident. It's just no big deal, you know. Just, just keep adding it onto the pile. It <laughs> <laughs> so. reminds me of that meme. There's, like, a meme where it's, like, um, God gives his 
battles to the toughest soldiers. And it's like, God, why do you think I'm that tough? <laughs> like, what made you think I was the tough one? Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm not the tough one. Yeah, it's just like, I don't want this. <laughs> I, I don't want to deal with it. Um, so I was in a pretty bad semi accident. Um, another semi hit me. And so I called my dad. Well, I first I called Ty, my husband. Um, and it was actually just down the road from him. Um, and called him was like, I just got in a really bad accident. Could you come, you know, be with me? And so he was actually, I think he was AIing cows at the time. And he literally just like, our ranch hand was like, yeah, I've never seen Ty run so fast. <laughs> so he like ran to his pickup and like just hauled butt to, to me. Um, and so it shut down the, uh, the highway for about five hours. Um, and so I called my dad and told him. Did anyone pass away from that or was it how many people were involved? Thankfully, it was a five or six car accident. Um, thankfully, wow. no one passed away. I don't know how. God was definitely on everyone's side that day. Yeah. And, and so called my dad, told him, and I, for some reason, I was only concerned with the truck. I was like, <laughs> yeah, the truck is just gone. <laughs> it's done. Oh, and, uh, my gosh. He's like, okay, but are you okay? Are right. You okay? <laughs> I don't care about the truck. But um, so he was actually in car. And so he had to race down to me. I was in uh, Longmont area and um, came down and he walked onto the scene and like he just busted into tears because of how bad the accident was um, and just like came and hugged me. Um, and I, you know, I had blood all over me and he's like, I'm just glad that you're still here. Um, and so that all happened. And I just remember like going home and everyone just like sat down, like what is happening with our life? <laughs> like like mom's going through chemo, yeah. Jaslyn's in court. Now she almost died in a car accident. What's. Yeah. It's just like one thing after another. Um, and like, you know, to pay for all of our, you know, my mom's cancer bills, like that's. Our, that's our work and it's gone now um so we were you know having to deal with that and so it was just a lot of stress um in one small amount of time um but thankfully everything worked out and I did you know everything does happen for a reason I know that's so cliche to say um but if my you know, if my mom didn't get cancer, then, or, you know, let's start over. If I didn't have to go through this custody battle for three years, and it just, like, kept getting pushed back, pushed back, pushed back, and we just didn't know why. Um, you know, my mom could have not caught her cancer in time, um, and she wouldn't have been in a place um, to where they had good doctors. And so, you know, I do think that God used my custody battle to keep her here um to find that in the perfect timing um and so and if you know my mom didn't get cancer I wouldn't have met Ty and I wouldn't have had that time to spend with him um and then it's just like and so and then when 
I got in a semi-accident. Me and my sister were actually going to go hike a 14er the next morning. And it's on the, the next morning, there's a news article that the trail that we were going to go on had a giant landslide and like took out hikers. And it's just like mind blowing. How- so it's just like time and time again of God showing up and being like, see? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just like, you know, people joke about having God having a sense of humor. I really do think that he has a sense of humor. Because oh, big just, time. You know, like, see, I told you, like, I'm right again. Um, so yeah, if it's just everything lined up perfectly. Um, and it was truly all God's timing. Because looking back now, you know, being out of it, you can look back and be like, oh my gosh, like, if that didn't happen, this wouldn't have happened. And if we, if we wanted it our way, um, you know, my mom could have died or, you know, me and my sister could have died or it's just like mind blowing to look back and see the big picture. Right. Um, and so I just think that a lot of people want it to go on their time and how they want it to be. Um, and I will tell you time and time again that God always has your best interest in mind um, when he, you know, pushes things back or when he doesn't let things go, you know, your way. Just trust him and trust his timing. It's seriously so true. Well, and then moving on from that, you talk about Ty, who is your now husband. You recently got married. And so now you're filling the role of, you know, a ranch wife, a ranch mom. Um, I really want to hear kind of like, transitioning into your everyday life now of like you're balancing being a wife to someone who is very busy and you're having to help out constantly, a mom to a three-year-old, which in itself is a full-time job. And now you have your career as a real estate agent. So kind of tell us kind of like about the balance with that and kind of how that lifestyle seems a little glamorized on the internet and on TikTok and social medias, but kind of how that really is for you and kind of like what your week is like, like a day in the life kind of is what that is. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we got married in June um, of this year, um, and we um, marriage life is good, actually. I don't have any complaints. Obviously, it's hard. You have hard days, um, but he is very, very supportive, um, and he is a good husband, and he's a good dad to Hadley. Um, and, you know, it's funny because before, I always ask him, um, you know, what was your, what was your, uh, thoughts before we got together or like, where were you at mentally? Um, and he said that all he wanted to do was just get married. Like he just wanted to get married and have a family. Um, and I think he got really to where he was just like depressed and couldn't find the right one. And, um, so he said that he just, you know, one night had a, a conversation with God and just said, you know what? I give up. Like I give up trying to find her. If you want me to be single, that's fine. I will do your work. Um, but you know, I just, you know, praying for the right one. Um, and so he kind of, he said that he kind of just like let it go and he stopped looking. Um, and then here comes me. (laughs) So he actually Facebook stalked me for about six months and thought that I was with someone else, which we were not together. We were just friends. And, um, uh, and then he saw me on a dating 
site and was like, what? And so he like got a hold of me there um, and I ghosted him for a while. Um, and I was just not in, I, you know, I was just not in a good place to be dating. And so we actually, we started talking a little bit on there. Um, and we were arguing about a Bible verse on what it means or like, you know, you know, what our thoughts were on it. And so I was like, you know, I'm going to think about this and get back to you. (laughs) And so, um, I, didn't talk to him for like a week. And then I heard a sermon on this verse. And so I like immediately texted him and was like, I just heard a sermon on this verse and, you know, explained uh, what the pastor said and everything. And so that kind of sparked back our conversation. Well, and who won? Who was right? Was it your interpretation or his? (laughs) was me. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Um, But then we started talking and, uh, I finally let him take me on a date. And so uh, we started dating um, and I just kind of kept it quiet for a while. I just didn't want, I mean, I just go, I mean, I was still going through custody and so I just didn't want anyone to know and just keep it private. Um, And so uh, about, oh gosh, it was in August of I'm gonna mess it up 2021 I think uh he we went camping with his family um and he took me to where his family has hunted for many many years um and he proposed he had me and Hadley um and we were just eating lunch and um I had no idea that he was going to do this but he proposed to me on like a cliff area Um, so it was really special and really just not expected, (laughs) Um, but I'm glad that it happened. And, um, I think that it was meant to be, um, so going into ranch wife life now, uh, it's, you know, Instagram and TikTok and all the social media is great. I think that you can use it for many, many great things. Um, but it's always so glamorized. I mean, you always see, and I'm guilty of it too. Um, I think everyone is, is seeing the best version of your life. Um, and you know, kind of just dismissing the bad days. Um, that's kind of, I mean, yeah, I was the same way when my husband was cowboying. The only stuff I'd be posting was all the fun stuff that we were doing and the cool stuff and the adventures. And I wasn't posting my husband coming home at 930 after dinner had been ready for three hours and it was cold and I was upset because it was really good damn dinner or the mornings where, you know, there are alarms going off at 3 a.m. and it wakes you up and you still have to make them breakfast and a lunch and pack them all this food for the day. Like, Yes, exactly. And I think like... You know, I talked to so many girls that, you know, they want to be, you know, with someone that ranches or farms or whatever. And that's great, honestly. Like, do it. Um, uh, I think that we need more people that want that lifestyle. Um, I think that it's, you know, especially the world, how it's going. We need more people to support that. Um, but it's not easy. It is not easy. And you have to be a certain type of person to handle what goes on. Um, and especially if it's in a family-ran business, um, and just it's a lot of stress and 
you know, it is them coming home 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night from bailing hay or them being on all night bailing hay, you know, or, uh, and um, early mornings and uh, running lunch out to them. And it's just like, just the not so fun things that you have to do or, you know, uh, torching bulls in negative degree weather and you're freezing and you're blowing off these bulls with dirt and grime going in your face like it's just that's just what it is the major glamorous part of it <laughs> yeah exactly um but it is it is awesome it is great to raise your kids in it um you know they are not going to end up like a normal kid obviously um oh isn't you know, that the truth <laughs> they will not they're uh-huh. built different yes exactly the nice uh, thing is you usually don't have to have the birds and the bees talks with them because they oh, yeah. kind of understand what's going on already. Oh, yeah. Like last year, even during calving season, like how they just loved watching the babies be born and like the placenta would just like fall on the ground and she was just like looking at it. And like, I just had to explain it to her and she's like, oh, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> and then Something like, that like grown women will have a baby and not even know that they will have a placenta coming out. But like Hadley, two and a half years old, knows what a placenta is. Yeah. Um, and then there was like, they castrated bulls and there was like just literally a bowl of balls on the ground. And Hadley was just like looking at it. I was like, I just told her like what it is. And that's just life. Like that is just ranch life. Like <laughs> they see things that most kids do not see. <laughs> and uh, um, I, d- but I literally would not have it any other way. Uh, I've always loved, um, ranching and farming and I did not grow up in that uh I grew up you know riding horses in the mountains and hunting and doing that kind of stuff um and I always wanted to be a part of you know ranching and and farming and I would always go over to my neighbor's house and help them farm and I was just always so interested in it um and I think that's really a big thing for um, you know, girls our age or younger that, you know, want to be with someone in that industry. Um, and they don't have any history in that background. Uh, don't be afraid, like literally just go out there and learn and don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, you know, don't be afraid to look like an idiot, (laughs) honestly, because you will most of the time. (laughs) And, um, well, and I think it just takes women and, you know, I focus on like, kind of like the women in our community, but just having some inclusivity because this kind of lifestyle is not going to live on unless we teach others about it and, you know, kind of like keep it alive. Yes, exactly. And, uh, and I think, so, um, the Walter family is very involved with, uh, certified Angus beef. Um, they just won a ambassador award this year and they have, you know, these, uh, groups of people come out from all, you know, industries in the food industry, like, you know, people that haven't even seen a cow before up close. And so they come out here, um, and do these tours and just show them, you know, what we do and see, uh, you know, the cows in green pastures and like these cows are actually taken care of. Um, and we know each one and, you know, we stay up all night helping them calve like in the cold. And so it's not just this giant operation. It's a family round business. Um, and as most ranches are, 
in, you know, the U.S. And so it's just, it's cool to see them be so um, willing to teach people about our lifestyle and where your food comes from. And um, <clears throat> just to educate people that don't really know. And I think that is true to say that, you know, if someone wants to come out and learn, um, I actually had a, a girl get a hold of me um, because she just wanted to come learn. Like she's never even driven a truck before. She hasn't, you know, driven a trailer and she has, she's never rode a horse before. And so I was just like, you know what? Yeah. Like come out, I will teach you. Um, if you just want to learn. Uh, and she's like, I will work for free. I was like, even better. <laughs> and so uh, I taught her how to saddle a horse. I taught her how to ride. I, uh, you know, taught her how to back up a trailer. Um, and she just loves it. And it's like, those are the people that like, why wouldn't you take a chance on them and just teach them? Like they, they don't have a chance to learn how to ride a horse or to back up a trailer, you know? Um, and so I think that's something that I am truly passionate about is to, um, if someone is interested in learning, you know, this lifestyle, then just be open about it. Um, and take the time and teach them. That's amazing. And and it's such a testament to we need to stop gatekeeping this community and we need to start sharing it with others because especially, you know, women involved in this industry, it's so gatekept, I feel like. And so we just need to be able to help others out and teach each other. And, you know, that's amazing that you've done that. I love that. Yeah. And I just think that, um, like, I just hate you know, you talk about like Instagram and stuff. I like Instagram for many reasons. Um, I think it's a great, uh, you know, you can build a great community on there. Um, but there's just so much hate on there too. Like there's just like, especially with women, like, why do you have to be like that? You know, like, why do you have to be so judgy? You know, what if she doesn't know that? Like, who cares? Like, it's so true. Instead of like judging them, just, uh, you know, nicely inform them that actually, you know, this is how we do it. Or, you know, I don't know. It's just, I think that there's just so much like just things that we could be a lot better with. It's with so true. Our industry. It's but, so true. Uh, and that's a topic I can talk about forever, but kind of wrapping up um, our talk here. I could seriously talk to you forever because I feel like <laughs> you have so much to share. And I was going to ask you like a question I was going to ask is kind of how your faith is tied into all of this. But, you know, you've been talking on every topic about, you know, kind of where your walk with Jesus is and kind of like how you instill God in all of this. Um, so kind of wrapping up just one question we ask every guest on the podcast is what the biggest takeaway people can learn from your story is. Oh, gosh. <laughs> there's lots <laughs> um, you're like there's been a ton throughout <laughs> um what they could learn oh gosh just you know whatever you're going through I mean everyone has a different story um and just to keep pressing forward um it's truly not about you can't think that you're the only one going through a hard time because you're not and, you know, reaching out to people for help um, helped me a lot. Um, and, you know, it's not about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Um, you know, you just, 
what you know with my life getting one thing after another it was just a hit after a hit after a hit but we just kept moving forward and you can't just sit still in a spot and expect anything to change um so just whatever you're going through whether it's a hard time loss you know life changes just keep moving forward it will get better it'll change um and you just don't know what the future holds. Only God knows that. That's so true. Jaslyn, this has been such an amazing interview, and I cannot wait for people to hear this and hear all of the information that you have to share. And just it's so nice that you're willing to share all of this personal stuff with our audience in order to teach and kind of just like help people out that might be going through something similar. Um, thank you so much for being on here. If you want to plug any social media, Instagram, anything in here, where can people find you and follow along with your crazy journeys? I feel like you're always doing something fun. Yeah, I try to. My, my schedule is very busy, but <laughs> um, yes, that would be awesome. Perfect. And what's your Instagram handle? Uh, it is, I think, Jaslyn underscore and underscore realtor. Perfect. <laughs> and if any of you guys are in the market for a house in Colorado, Jaslyn is your girl. So make sure you follow her along. She posts a lot of very informative stuff on real estate, too. I've learned a lot um, following her Instagram. So if you guys are interested in buying or selling in Colorado, give Jaslyn a call. Jaslyn, this has been an amazing podcast. Thank you so much for being on. We so appreciate it. Uh, make sure you guys are subscribed to the Women in Western podcast and listen along for more. We'll be here next Wednesday for another episode of the Women in Western podcast. <laughs>